this, uh, this past week, I was able to go uh, with a team uh, of you guys to Jackson, Kentucky. As you know, if you've been here the past few weeks, uh, you guys raised $24,000 to help them uh, with their flood and a church that we are connected to there. And so we left Monday uh, morning, got back Wednesday night. And so we just have a few photos, kind of want to update you on how that trip went. Uh, and we had, I uh, love the Jeff Cuff selfie. Um, but again, they are, you know, everything, their homes, their church, uh, stripped down to the studs and we were able to be there at a time where we could start drywalling and really seeing kind of progress take part. And a lot of that because of previous groups that have been there as well. Uh, but you, those of you who went on the trip, you guys took vacation days. You could have been working, making money, uh, but you were there serving and taking time. And so there's a team there, um, all of us, all 12 of us that went, uh, 14 of us actually. And um, Man, so just thank you to all you guys that gave and also took time to go down with us and serve them in that way. So big shout out to you guys. Um, yeah, I'll give it up for them. We are continuing our series, Christian Atheists. And so there are ways that, yeah, we are Christian, we claim to be a Christian, but there's we, some areas that we don't live like it. That we follow God, but we live as if there is no God. And this topic this morning is so important because it defines who we are as believers. The Bible says multiple times, if we don't get this right, it shows or it seems to imply that we don't grasp the gravity of the gospel. That if we don't get this right, we don't understand the weight of what God has done for us. And so what we're talking about this morning is forgiveness. And uh, a lot of you may be thinking, okay, I've, Kevin's talked about this before. I know what Jesus says about it. I don't even really uh, hate anyone that bad. So before you check out, let me just uh, throw some self-evaluation questions at you real quick. Ask yourself these things, and maybe these are signs that there's someone in your life that you have not forgiven. Is there someone that you know when you're in the same building or you're in the same room that maybe you just kind of avoid them. It's easier not to see them or to deal with what's in your past. Maybe when you're confronted with them or memories that emotions begin to kind of rise to the surface that of uh, uh, just anger, resentment, bitterness, or maybe uh, do you constantly think not only about that person, but what they did to you. Do you kind of play back the film and, and go to those conversations or those text messages or things that you know how they hurt you? Do you still talk about the situation to others? Do you still gossip about it? Do you still uh, complain to those to kind of, you know, get them on your side? Or do we hate when we see them succeed? Like when they post on Facebook about their vacation or their kids or their job and things are going well, does it kind of just irritate you? Like you don't, you can't cheer for them. You're not on their side. Maybe there's someone that is having a bigger impact on your life than you realize. That a lot of us walked into this room with pain from relationships of our marriage, of our friends, of our family, our coworkers. And during one of their conversations, Jesus uh, taught a lot about um, different things with his disciples, but Peter actually brought up this topic of conversation to Jesus. Matthew chapter 18, if you have your Bibles, 
And if not, um, there should be one in front of you, and it'll also be on the screen. Matthew 18, verse 21, and here's what Peter asked Jesus about forgiveness. It says, Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And so before we continue, here's what's happening. Uh, Peter knows that Jesus has some high standards. And uh, Peter knows that you should forgive, but he wants to know the limit, right? Like he wants to know when is enough enough? What's the cap? When can I stop forgiving? And he understands that the probably most popular teaching at that time taught three times. For the same offense, you forgave someone three times, and then the fourth, you didn't have to, because that shows that they weren't uh, repenting, that shows that they just haven't learned their lesson. So three times and you're good. And Peter realizes that, okay, I'm gonna impress everyone, I'm gonna impress Jesus. How about seven times? Let's take the standard, times two plus one. Jesus, seven times should we forgive? And uh, that was probably seen as extraordinary. No one deserves that much grace. But then Jesus stuns them with his answer. Verse 22, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. He says, not seven, seven times 70. And your version may say something different. The Greek there's a little funny, but it's either 77 or seven times 70. The number isn't necessarily important. What's vital to understand is that that number that Jesus gave is ridiculously higher than any other number that anyone was teaching at that time. And what he's communicating, the point that Jesus made here is that we should never keep track of how many times we grant forgiveness and we should never withhold forgiveness from someone else. And I don't know how that sounds to you guys, but to me it sounds difficult. Doesn't sound all that ideal that we are never to have a grudge against another person. We are never to hold their sin against them. And the problem is Jesus commands that. He expects it of believers. And so when we don't forgive, when we hold on to bitterness or anger, Jesus says it's sin. And I want to say that with as much compassion and understanding as I possibly can. Because a lot of us in this room, you guys walked, here, walked in here with real hurt, with real trauma, with real uh, evil done to you in your life. And you didn't ask for it, but it's your reality. And it's not easy. I'm not here to dismiss those things. I'm here to say Jesus says that it's best that we forgive. And because of that, before we even continue, I want to make sure that we know what forgiveness is. A lot of us might think, oh, great, great. God just wants me to say, poof, they're forgiven. I'm just going to let it all go. And they get away with it. And uh, after all the misery they put me through. Forgiveness is not dismissing or excusing sin. It's the first thing. Forgiveness is not dismissing sin. It's not going and saying, hey, it's no big deal. What you did wasn't that bad. It might be, but it doesn't mean that what they did was small enough for us to just kind of overlook. Forgiveness also is not denying that it hurts you. 
It's not walking around with this facade that, you know what, I'm okay. Don't even worry about it. It, I didn't even think twice. It's not denying that it hurts you. Forgiveness is not even being peaceful or being civil. Just because you can have a conversation with someone or you can be in the same room or you're not arguing doesn't mean that forgiveness has taken place. Forgiveness is also not conditional. That I'll forgive them if, fill in the blank. If that's you, then forgiveness, we want to make sure our definition is right. And also forgiveness is not forgetting. In fact, I would say you can't completely forget because you have to remember. And in spite of that, you're still choosing to forgive. Forgiving is not forgetting. And so what is it? Pastor Kevin has um, defined it like this in the past. The forgiveness is giving up the right to get even. It is giving up the right to get even, or it is releasing the demand for justice to God. Saying, I know you hurt me. I know you took from me. You caused me pain. You don't deserve it, but I am forgiving. I am letting go the demand for justice to God. I'm not letting that thing or that sin define our relationship, get in the way. I'm handing it over to God. And thankfully, Jesus doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say, forgive, and then moves on with his lecture. He actually uh, tells a story to illustrate it. And he often told parables, you know, they're small stories to communicate big truth. But Jesus just said to forgive endlessly, without limit. Verse 23. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle the accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, along with his wife and children and all that he had, and repayment to be made. So Jesus here talks about a king and a servant. The king, as you can probably guess, is God. And the servant, they are Christians. And so for our sake, I want us to put ourselves in that servant position. I'm going to do the same. So God's the king. We are the servant. And there comes a time when this king wants to settle accounts. He wants to tally up his resources, his investments, his uh, employees. And this servant had clearly made some wrong financial moves, okay? He did not save well. He didn't uh, take financial peace. He did not do any of that. He racked up a debt of 10,000 talents. And a talent was actually a weight measurement. And it was the highest known currency in the Roman Empire. And we don't know whether this was gold or silver. Uh, But either way, this was probably billions of dollars, Billions of dollars, and I even read some people think it might have been a a trillion dollars. Either way, it's a lot of money. We'd agree, right? I'm sure most of us don't have that lying around in our savings account. And this guy, this is inconceivable. There's no way he could pay it off in 10 lifetimes. And since he's unable to pay, uh, the king said, all right, I'm going to at least get some of this money back. Everything must be sold to raise money for me. And it was common to work off your debt. But for this guy, this was a life sentence. Like he had no way of repaying this at all. And he has no other option than to show humility and desperation to the king. Verse 26. So the slave fell to the ground 
and prostrated himself before him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. And so he falls face down, knowing that the only solution, the only hope he has is maybe if he begs, if he pleads, that this king might show some sort of kindness to him. Like that's his only hope. The one that he owes the debt to, hoping that he'll be a little lenient, something will take place. And, and, and he promises, hey, give me time, I'll get you your money. But obviously it's not true. It's a promise he couldn't keep. He's desperate. He's in a situation. He will say anything to get him out of this problem. But the king doesn't laugh at him. King doesn't lay the law down. It says the king pities the man and he shows compassion and he forgives the debt. He shows grace and mercy. Not only will he not throw him in jail, will he not punish him, but he's also saying, hey, you don't have to, you don't owe me anymore. You don't have to repay this debt. And so just, again, picture this. This is crazy. This is uh, billions of dollars. I'm guessing if someone came to you and said, hey, your student loans, don't worry about them. Your house payment, your car, your medical bills, you're free. You know what? You don't have to pay them. You guys, like myself, would be a great day, would it not? Right, okay, you'd be excited. Billions of dollars, this guy was just forgiven. His debt no longer owed, he is forgiven. He is excited, he just won the lottery a dozen times. And so he leaves there probably feeling great, probably saying, wow, what an amazing king that we have, that I serve. But verse 28, the story goes on. It says, but that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground, and this should sound familiar, and began to plead with him, saying, have patience with me, and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison <clears throat> until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. So he leaves there forgiven, leaves happy, finds someone that owes them 100 denarii. Denarii is a day's wage, roughly. And so 100 denarii is just over a quarter year salary. A good amount of money, but it's possible to be paid back. And it is nothing compared to what he was just forgiven of. But yet he leaves there, he finds the guy, grabs him, begins choking him, and demands, it's my money, and I need it now. Anyone get that reference? <laughs> J-G, okay, anyway. Um, but he, he goes, and how quickly he forgot of what he was forgiven. And he shows no compassion on this man. And notice the similar responses, right? They both said, be patient, I'll pay you back. And this guy actually could pay him back if he had some time. But the recently forgiven servant turns around, says that he was unwilling. It means that he had a choice. He made a decision to not release his debt, to not forgive him. So he threw him in prison until the debt could be paid. And this didn't go unnoticed. It says the other servants didn't like what they were watching. So they went and told the king 
And the king, this is what he thought of his servant's lack of forgiveness. Verse 32. It says, then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. The king was furious that his above and beyond, his superlative mercy was just wasted because this guy didn't show the same forgiveness to others. And he says, you wicked slave, I just forgave you billions of dollars and you go to someone else who owes you a few thousand and you can't do the same. And he could have paid you back, but you, you had no chance to pay me back. Did you learn nothing from how I treated you? Did you, shouldn't you have modeled your life after me, your king? And that right here, Jesus tells that story because that is the motivation behind us forgiving others. We forgive because God forgave us. We forgive because God forgave us. That myself included, we've all accrued a debt that we have no hope of repaying to God. No matter how hard I work or how hard I try, the only solution is humbly going to God and asking forgiveness. And remember, we talked about this. Forgiveness isn't dismissing the wrong that was done. God doesn't just say, hey, no consequences, no nothing, nothing needs to happen. You're cleared and just kind of wave his wand. Jesus had to pay the cost. Jesus had to die for my sins. And he's the only one that could pay our debt because he's the only person who didn't have one of his own that needed paying. And we are cleared of our sin, of our debt, when we trust that Jesus is the only way that he died in my place for me. And with that reality, we forgive others. Because the Bible paints a picture that no one can commit a greater injustice to me than I've already committed towards God. No one can do more to me, more evil, more wrongs, more sin to me than I have committed against God. And because he can forgive such a great debt, we learn from that. We experience it. And it's with that truth that Jesus closes and gives a word to his original audience. Verse 35 says, my heavenly father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. See, he brings it home, and this is a kind of a, a level of personal responsibility. It's one of those verses that we can't just skip over and, uh, and, and come back to you. We need to, Jesus is saying, if you don't forgive, God won't forgive you. But what he's not meaning is that, hey, if you don't forgive your boss, if you're a Christian and you don't forgive your boss, you're losing your salvation. God's not forgiving you anymore. It's not what he's saying. The point that he's trying to make is that it is inconceivable that Christians would not forgive when we have been forgiven of so much worse. But yet we still hold on to people's wrongs against them and we let these things build up and build up over time. And when we do that, it creates a barrier between us and other people. And I think it affects us more than we realize. 
And so I've seen another pastor put it like this, all right? That's probably what this under here the whole time. And uh, Pastor Kevin's gone this week, so I'm thinking we break some stuff, and that's my plan. All right? Whenever we, uh, whenever we don't forgive, we create a barrier between us and that other person. And so each block, what I want to do is I want to represent, I want it to represent something that happened to you that you didn't address, you didn't deal with that hurt, but you held on to it. And so over time, they stack up and we're bitter and we're angry. And again, we build a barrier between us and other people. And there's maybe multiple examples, whatever it is, but maybe it's, okay, you know what? We uh, talked about finances, me and my wife, me and my husband, and uh, we're going to be responsible, pay off our debt. But he went golfing this past week again. And then guess what? She bought Starbucks every day this week. I, she obviously doesn't care about the finances uh, at all, but it's okay. You know what? It was my birthday, and the least they could have done is say, leave a comment on my wall on Facebook. And I know they were active. Messenger says 37 minutes ago. So they definitely had time to do that. I mean, it's ridiculous. And you know what? I'll admit it. I was over. But uh, I was doing what everyone else is doing, going with the flow of traffic. But that cop decides that he wants to pull me over? Like, you're telling me he has nothing better to do than to give me a ticket. I, it's, it's crazy, okay? Well, uh, my boy has worked too hard and practiced uh, way too much to be on the bench. And you know whose fault it is? That dumb coach. We need a new one. Maybe we'd start winning some games. <laughs> All right. Uh, or it's been years since we dated and I was nothing but nice to them, nothing but good. And they still broke up with me. But you know what? It's fine. Biggest mistake of their life because I saw who they were dating recently and I know they miss me. All right. <laughs> and I know that I go to work every day and uh, it seems like I'm the only one that knows how to do their job. And so I have a boss that clearly doesn't appreciate good work when he sees it. Maybe that's some of you, but let's switch gears a little bit. Let's make it a little more real, okay? Uh, I know what you've been saying. I've seen the texts. People have told me that you're talking behind my back. And you know who does that? No friend of mine. I mean, we were together and they cheated on me. Like they lied to me over and over and over. Yeah, I had parents, I had mom and dad. They provided, but it seemed that they were a little more concerned with their life than being there for us kids. And even today, it seems like I can never meet their expectations. They're never happy. I don't even really enjoy being with them anymore. Or maybe I, you're contemplating, how can someone walk out on a family? Like, how can you give up on a marriage, on kids? Like, who does that? Who just leaves their responsibility like that? All these things, you, I mean, maybe you're thinking, okay, I trusted you. I, was, I thought I was safe with you. But you abused me. And now you took something from me that I'll never be able to get back. And all these things begin to build up and build up and build up until guess what? You are completely walled off from everybody who even remotely hurts you. From the person that, you, that, that shouldn't be that big of a deal, but we have trained ourselves not to forgive 
and it distances us from other people. Even right now, I can still see you, but I'm not completely free, right? There's something between us. And because we have never, a lot of us, have never fully forgiven, we haven't learned that skill. When we don't forgive, it makes it easier to keep stacking blocks in between other people. And so because you haven't forgiven your parents, when you were a teenager, that, man, they were way too strict, way too demanding, you never forgave them, and so you continue with that mindset with every other relationship, and so it's easy to not forgive your wife or your husband 30 years later. And with the, and, and, and even sometimes building a wall, it feels natural. Like it feels like we're entitled to do this. Satan loves barriers. And maybe there's even people in your life that they're saying, yeah, add another one up there. You're the victim. You deserve to be hurt. They, you need to cut them off. Anyone telling you that is not understanding what Jesus tells us, that we have been forgiven. And all of us have also, we are accountable for the relationships in our life. And we don't want to ruin them. And so I want us to honestly ask ourselves, because a lot, this wall, obviously, I feel like a lot of us are walking around walled off from relationship to relationship. You can't see it, but it's there. How long are we going to continue to not forgive, to not call them back, to not make things right, or at least as, as own your part and forgive them? How long? Because some of us have been doing this for years and we have no intentions or no hope of fixing things. This has ruined too many marriages, too many families, too many friendships, too many churches. And we want to fix that. But the problem is it's, it's difficult. It's not easy. And, and again, myself included, I've been there. We have excuses, right? Because, all right, I could forgive them, but it kind of feels like they're getting away with it. It feels like if I just forgave them, they didn't learn their lesson or, you know, they're off the hook. But God tells us that every single sin, every wrongdoing will be paid for, whether by Jesus on the cross or them spending eternity in hell paying it themselves. Or maybe you're even saying, okay, well, I would forgive, but I don't want to be a doormat. <laughs> like, I don't want them to just think that they won and they can get whatever they want from me. This one's interesting because... The Bible tells us that we're supposed to forgive like God forgave us, right? And God forgives us all of our sins if we place our faith in Jesus and he forgives us unconditionally. But no one's walking around going, God, yeah, he's a doormat. <laughs> like I got what I wanted. He bent to me. Like I, no one's saying, if you, if you are, you're reading the wrong Bible. But yet we feel the need to hold things over people and to make sure that we aren't the quote-unquote weaker one in the situation. Or, you know what, I would forgive, but I just need more time. Like, I'm not ready yet. And I get that some of these things may have just happened or may be a little fresh, but most of the time, it's not what we need. Because that may just prolong, that may just amplify the pain. We don't want to feed our emotions. We want to feed ourselves truth and God's word. Or maybe you're saying, I would forgive, but I'm waiting for them to apologize first. Like for them to make the right move, them to make the first move, and then I will forgive. But forgiveness is a personal choice. 
is a willful decision that you can make, that you are releasing the demand for payback. And the main reason why we make this choice is because God first forgave us. And so, because we had such a great debt, every time that we sinned, it's like a block was placed in between you and a relationship with God. But through our faith in Jesus, we receive grace and God forgives every single one. And so these were in the way, but God says, you know what? That time that you got angry with your kids and you really shouldn't have, I'll forgive that. God says every time that you watch pornography and you slept with your boyfriend or girlfriend before you were married, he says, you know what? I'll forgive that. Every time you lied because you wanted to kind of save face and cover up, I'll forgive that. Every time you were prideful and you just thought that you were better than everyone else, I'll forgive that. Every time that you were lazy, you should have been working to the glory of God, but you weren't, God says, I forgive that. He says, every time that you were fearful, Pastor Kevin last week says, hey, we should not be anxious, we should not be, should not be fearful, but you did not obey my word, I forgive you. You don't owe me anymore. And with that, we receive this forgiveness from God and then we extend it to others. That's how the Bible says it works. But this whole message, I've been telling you, right? Hey, Jesus says forgive, forgive. But how do you do it? Two steps. You guys ready? Yeah, you are. Okay, awesome. One, you know the debt. And then two, you let go of the debt. I like when things rhyme. So we're gonna roll with it. You know the debt and you let go of the debt. And here's what I mean. You know, you identify. Like I don't want us generally walking around going, yeah, I've just been mad at them for years and just so many. No, what exactly did they do to you? Like what did they take? What pain did they cause? What things happened that they uh, took from you? What do they owe you? And so you know it and then you let it go. You release the demand for payback to God. Justice is in his hands, not yours. And so you identify it, you know it, you can say, all right, well, you deserted the family. Like you took from me a parent to my kids. You took from me a spouse that I'm supposed to be able to depend on. Not returning that one. Um, <laughs> you don't owe me anymore. I forgive you. You know, you were talking bad about me behind my back and I know what you've been saying. You took from me a best friend. You made me feel insignificant. You made me feel small. And now we don't even talk anymore. You don't owe me, I forgive you. You stole money from me. I can go to the literal dollar amount and say, you owe me this much. But in spite of that, I still forgive you. You took advantage of me. You took my purity and you left me with scars that I battled for years, struggling with self-worth and anger and trust issues. Everything that you said to me, everything you did to this family, all the things that you caused pain that no one even knows, but I know, in spite of that, you don't deserve it, but I forgive you. And we forgive until this wall is completely gone so that we're not separating ourselves between people. God says that we're responsible for the relationships in our life. 
And we want to make sure to do them right. Because we have been forgiven by God. We forgive others. And maybe you're here thinking, okay, that's great and all, but I can't. Like, you don't understand what they've done. You don't understand that they're getting away with it. I, I don't know what you've been through. But God does. God understands and God knows. And he's saying, no one has forgiven a greater debt than I have forgiven of you. And so if that's you, if you're still thinking, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I have the strength, you probably don't. And so we need to be asking God for greater faith every single day. Say, God, I don't want to forgive them, but I know you say it's best. I know you call me to in your word. I know that you say, hey, we should have a mindset of being grateful for what God has given us. So we extend that grace to others. But God, I don't want to. Give me faith. And let God help you in this struggle. Because here's why it's so important. And this is the last thing I'm going to say. As a Christian, forgiveness is a part of our definition. Like we are defined by forgiveness. That 10,000 years from now, when we're all in eternity, heaven and hell will not be separated by those who are good and those who are bad. It's separated by those who are forgiven and those who are not. Those who have chosen to pay the debt themselves. And so the Bible is telling us, how can we be people who have experienced forgiveness and not extend it to others? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. We should be so grateful that we have been forgiven a debt that we have no hope of repaying, that we freely and unconditionally give it to other people. And when we don't, it goes against who we are because forgiveness should define the family of God. And just like the person in the story, the servant, what he should have done, he should have, as we should, try to be like our king and be more like him. And the best way we do that is that we forgive others because our King has forgiven us. Let me pray for us this morning. Dear God, we, um, we are so thankful for, for what you've done for us. God, even being in this room, um, freely able to, to sing to you, to learn about you, to gather together, uh, we thank you for your word and that it's accurate and that it's true and that it's useful and applicable for our lives. But God, I pray that all of us would have a greater just grasp on what you have truly done for us. That if we actually know the extent of what we were forgiven of and how we were saved, God, there is no way that we would not extend forgiveness to other people. So I pray that you would help us identify maybe those people in our life that we still need to forgive. And if it's possible that we would go to them and, and try to restore that relationship. But God, I pray that we would just live in light of Jesus' death and resurrection and, through, and by grace, through faith, you freed us from our debt. And I pray that we would show the same to others. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.